0: you're listening to the Illinois farm talk podcast here are your
1: hosts Ben and we thank you for being here today as we start a new era in pharmacy
2: and in all parts of our state we're seeing some real problems in the area of pharmacy we're seeing local businesses and independently owned pharmacies being driven out of business by unfair trade practices
3: PBMs to use business practices to put their competitors out of business. Is that right or wrong?
0: When 70% of our prescriptions we dispense are paid below cost, the business model is unsustainable. In Illinois, 15 pharmacies have closed in the last 12 months.
3: Enough is enough. We are fed up with the business practices of PBMs, and it's time to end it in Illinois. Today, the
4: PBMs have too much power. Today, the PBMs are profiteering off the backs of our patients in our state. Today, the PBMs are in business of wealth instead of health. Today, the new fight begins. Hello, I am Ben Calcaterra, and I am here with Garth Reynolds, and we are here to bring you the next episode of Illinois Farm Talk, brought to you by the Illinois Pharmacist Association. In this episode, we will hear about the 2019 Legislative Day and new pharmacy-related bills just introduced. We will also have Monique Whitney from PUTT to give us the national outlook on our PBM efforts, and Lauren Young, who spoke at the rally today. So let's get started. Hello, Garth. Hello, Ben. So today we had our legislative day at the Capitol, uh, 2019 Legislative Day was by far a, a better outcome than the 2018 Legislative Day as, as we're looking back on the day today. We started out the day early in the Blue Room with an announcement on House Bill 1715. Mm-hmm. It is the bill that allows pharmacists to inject long-acting antipsychotic injectables in the pharmacy. So we'll take a listen to that press announcement now.
5: Well, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to say good morning to everybody, and, and thank you for everybody for coming. My name is Senator Michael Hastings, H-A-S-T-I-N-G-S. I represent the greater southwest suburbs of Chicago. I'm joined by Senator Bush, Senator Pierce, Senator Castro, a lot of stakeholders in our march to mental health. Um, I just want to say thank you for taking the time out to cover this uh, very, very special topic in the state of Illinois. Um, I represent the southwest suburbs, like I said. Um, I had the closure of the Tinley Park Mental Health Center, which displaced mental health patients across the south suburbs and it's had an abnormal effect on our local hospital systems in terms of volume sometimes it's difficult for our hospitals to take in all these patients and be able to provide mental health care and treatment to them also there's some issues as well uh, geographic um, issues in terms of where people can get their treatment at um, and that's why it's important I think as the Illinois Senate to tackle these issues head-on and as we say we're gonna march to mental health that being it's March um, and mental Health Awareness Month is in May, but we want to march early and, and get something done here in Springfield. So, um, there's a lot of different bills. Obviously, the senators will outline um, the the five separate bills that are um, that are introduced today. Um, I'll just make a quick remarks in terms of Senate Bill 1715. Um, Senate 1715 allows for pharmacists. To be uh, allowed to inject antipsychotic medication into patients, not only in the community setting does this have a major impact, um, because injectable medicines could have a duration of 60 days. Um, so that's a long, it's a long-term medicine. So people with mental illnesses who need mental treatment, they don't forget their medicine. This is a two-month process. I'm proud to have the SIUE pharmacy um, team here as well here in Springfield. I know they're excited about it, as they're going to be. Um, taking part of this once the law is uh, signed into law. Um, So it also has a great criminal justice um, impact as well. For those that are leaving our state penitentiary system or Cook County jail system, they have it hard enough trying to find where a place to live, find a job, Um, being able to get a long-term injection to help stabilize their mental health um, issues that they have. Um, This will allow them to focus on those issues. So I know we've had a great collaboration with uh, Garth um, from the Pharmacists Association, um, Mrs. Sosa with uh, the Psychologists Association, The State Medical Society, they do a phenomenal job, and I just want to say thank you to them for coming together and collaborating on this.
0: Senator, uh, 1715, your particular bill, can you just speak to what's the need for pharmacists to be able to do this? Is there currently a wait time? Are people not getting their medication for the there's an
5: access to care um, component of this. We want to make sure that people who have mental illness don't have to schedule an appointment with their primary care physician. They can go to the pharmacy and get an injectable, which provides long-term medication for those with mental health. Um, obviously, we work with the psychiatrist association, the pharmacist association, to make sure that people are trained and ready to go when it comes time to giving somebody an injection. It's not uncommon for pharmacists to give injections already. They give immunizations, birth control shots, and other things. Um, this will be. A added component added component of their practice. Have
6: they already gone through training?
5: They have training right now in their curriculum, but this being antipsychotic medications, we want to make sure they understand um, the complexities of maybe side effects, some other things that may happen if, if it goes once they inject them.
4: So Garth, what do you think? How does this affect pharmacy in Illinois?
1: This continues to give us an effort of being able to expand the patient care services that pharmacists can provide in the community setting. This is an extension that we've worked on for a couple of years, expanding ever so slowly additional medications. We've had immunization care for the longest time, and that's been our primary focus. But if you remember, a couple years ago, we worked with the March of Dimes in adding alpha-hydroxyprogesterone to the medications that pharmacists could administer through a standing order or via a valid prescription order. And now, if we get Um, Senate Bill 1715 that Senator Hastings is championing through the Senate with additional mental health packages. This will allow pharmacists to be able to administer long-acting antipsychotics. And this opens up the door for us to continue to look at other avenues and other medications that pharmacists can administer at the pharmacy level and be able to expand our patient care services that are needed. And specifically, if we look at antipsychotics, we look at how the state has, over the last number of years, going back as long as the Maglojevich administration, of paring back the community mental health providers, specifically that were ran by the state themselves, who those pharmacists that work for the state actually did this. And now they're no longer available. And those sites have decreased and decreased over the years. And this is where community pharmacists can step up and be yet another provider in their communities for a needed service.
4: doesn't hurt that we're talking today a lot about access for our patients, and the pharmacy is obviously uh, the best place for access. We have the open-door policy for our pharmacies, and it's something that we tout as a great benefit for our community pharmacies. You know, it was also great that this coincided with our legislative day because we were able to have our students... Uh, stand behind the legislators making the announcement uh, showing our white coats off is always a great addition to our marketing of pharmacist ability when these press announcements are are held. So after that press release we ended up moving back over to the Howlett building to continue our legislative day activities. The next thing that we did we had a CPE a continuing education on legislative issues how a bill works, what to do and what not to do on legislative day when talking to your uh, legislators. And then we talked about the major bills affecting pharmacy across the state that we had our pharmacist and student pharmacist championing all day in the Capitol, talking to their legislators, asking for co-sponsoring, asking for yeses, asking for nos on the bills that matter to us right now. Garth, do you have anything you'd like to say about the three bills that we were pushing today?
1: Uh, Yes, we we decided to focus our efforts on three major um, pieces of legislation. We started with House Bill 1442, which is our effort to increase access to contraceptive for women throughout the state through utilizing community pharmacies. And this is our effort uh, working with Representative Michelle Musman out of Schaumburg, and this would allow us to have a statewide standing order approach in expanding access to contraception, not only for the tablets, but also for the vaginal ring and the... the, uh, transdermal patch. So as you remember with this approach this allows us to um, utilize a statewide standing order to be able to increase access to contraception throughout the state through pharmacists. And again this is utilizing the contraceptive tablet, the um, vaginal ring, and the topical um, patch. But one thing that we need to look at beyond just the medication increasing access to contraception, which is an important issue. If we pull back the layers of this, this bill is also going to be establishing state-level provider status and allowing pharmacists to be recognized as the healthcare provider and professional that we are and making sure that we can have a billing mechanism to the medical side of insurance for the professional services that we're that we're um, providing for our patients so in this case when it comes to contraception it'll be on the consult itself and the assessment of the patient so It'll be very similar to a level one or a level two physician visit and so we will be using the exact same processes that physicians nurse practitioners and PAs utilize right now in assessing women for contraception and so there's not going to be any difference in what we're doing versus what other healthcare providers are providing today in Illinois and with that we're also using the exact same screening and risk criteria the United States Medical Eligibility, CDC, risk assessment tool, that 10 other states, including the District of Columbia, are now utilizing with pharmacists providing this type of care. In additional other 10 states, in addition to Illinois, are already looking at this type of legislation in this session alone. So this could be a huge step forward, not only for getting us to that level of state provider status, which we can then start adding other disease states and other opportunities for pharmacists to be able to expand past the dispensing model into the patient care realm and actually getting paid and recognized for the education and the services that we can definitely provide and that are needed in our communities. We will also be able to increase access for contraception because 52% of pregnancies in Illinois are unintended. And if you start looking at the increase of unintended pregnancies goes up as the poverty level of a population goes up. So we can help address some needs in our communities throughout the state. Again, this is a rural issue and an urban issue. This isn't just one segment of Illinois that can benefit from this type of care. In addition, the next bill we talked about was House Bill 1441, and this was um, Representative Moeller's initiative to look at importation of medications in from Canada into the state of Illinois. This would effectively set up a similar FDA structure on a state level we're concerned about this approach on many different levels. One, we have a patient safety aspect. We know medications will be coming in from Canada, but can we trust that they are truly not counterfeits? Because we'll be getting medication outside of our established drug safety pipeline. And if you take a look at what we've done specifically with the DCQA over the last couple years in establishing track and trace, we would basically be undoing the investments that the entire pharmaceutical healthcare system has implemented in ensuring medications are known and safe from the from manufacturer assembly line all the way to the patient. And this would just be setting up a structure that would completely get around that entire safety structure. Over 10% of medications that are imported in are known to be counterfeits, and that's just the ones that are known. In addition to that, we know that some states have been considering legislation like this, and they're basing it all off the same model bill. Vermont did pass legislation on this last year, but their program's not active, and it's not scheduled to go active until January 1st of 2020, but that's still pending an approval by the federal government. The federal government still has to approve, the secretary of HHS still has to approve each and every program, and the HHS has not approved any of these programs in the past. If you remember, we were talking about importation programs like this a a decade ago, back during the Beglojevich administration. As we remember, Governor Beglojevich at that time was trying to import in influenza vaccines from Canada, and it was a disaster. And if you remember, it was actually one of his seven articles of impeachment. And just as a fact of reminding our listeners that three of the seven articles of impeachment had to deal with pharmacy in one form or another. So I don't think we want to get into that level of concern of putting the state at risk for a program when it does not address true factors of high cost of medications. Even though Vermont passed this legislation, even their own agency reports are showing that they are going to be spending more to set this program up than they will get in return on savings. So if we look at that compared to what Vermont is looking at now and the budget issues that we're still trying to heal from in Illinois, this is not addressing a problem. This is not addressing the true problem that will help Illinois save money and provide access to medications in a money-saving manner. And we have to really make sure patients have access to medications that are safe and not put that in jeopardy just to save money. And again, this is not addressing the major factors that are influencing high medication costs, such as pharmacy benefit managers, and we'll be talking about them here in a minute, but this would continue to increase and further expand pharmacy deserts throughout the state. And then finally, our last bill was Senate Bill 652 and House Bill 465, and those are two numbers that you're going to hear a lot more about as we continue to have episodes of Farm Talk through the rest of this session. These two bills are going to help us set up a PBM reform package that is going to license and truly register pharmacy benefit managers under the Department of Insurance, help give HFS the proper oversight it needs under the Managed Medicaid program for PBMs, and establish gag clause prohibitions on a state level. Now, granted, The administration on a federal level has passed legislation to this, but that only really covers federal programs and doesn't cover all commercial state plans where these provisions in these two bills will help with doing that on a state level. And we want to thank uh, Majority Leader Greg Harris and Senator Andy Menard and being our champions in both chambers in ensuring that we can get this needed issue heard at the appropriate level and definitely getting A package passed and implemented for not only protection of pharmacies throughout the state but ensuring that our patients have access to their community pharmacist which continues to be threatened by the practices of the pharmacy benefit managers.
4: Garth those were all important bills that we impressed upon the attendees and I think it really spoke volumes the results that we got from the legislative day in general and we'll talk about that later. But before we go on and talk about the next big point, which is the rally we had, so I think this is a good place to take a pause and we'll listen to our sponsors and hear a commercial break and we'll be right back at the end. Hello, I am Vin Calcaterra, and I want to let you know just how important it is to hold a membership in the Illinois Pharmacists Association. The Illinois Pharmacists Association stands up for all pharmacists across the state, from community to health system, academia to long-term care. Your membership will strengthen the efforts of the entire association. Consider joining today to gain valuable insights and updates about news and events affecting the profession of pharmacy in the state of Illinois. To gain educational opportunities such as CPEs and certificate training programs. or to help advocate to protect the abilities of pharmacists to practice in the best way they possibly can. Stand up for your profession, stand up for your state, and stand up for your patients. Join today. Call the office today or log on to IPHA.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ILPharmacists. That's plural with the S, Il pharmacists. Okay, and thanks for that commercial break, and now we're going to talk about the rally that we had. After the CE session in the Hallett Building, everybody moved over to the Capitol Rotunda area and we held a rally. Representative Greg Harris and Senator Andy Menar were releasing the bills that we were just speaking about, House Bill 465 and Senate Bill 652 and it was a very energetic rally that we had with all the white coats in the audience. We had a a great representation from pharmacy, and here to speak about that rally, we have Monique Whitney from Putt, and we've got Lauren Young, who is a second generation independent pharmacy owner in the state of Illinois. Uh, So we're gonna have a conversation about what that rally was. Before we get started, let's take a listen to that rally.
1: For the pharmacists and our patients throughout the state, we thank you for being here today as we start a new era in pharmacy. We have a lot of speakers, so we'll get right to it. And first, I want to thank our House sponsor, um, Representative Greg Harris from Chicago.
2: Good afternoon. And I'm here today not only uh, as a representative from the city of Chicago, but also a state representative that represents you know, every corner of the state from Chicago to Cairo. East to West, and in all parts of our state, we're seeing some real problems in the area of pharmacy. We're seeing local businesses and independently owned pharmacies being driven out of business by unfair trade practices, and we see the cost of prescription drugs skyrocketing for families and kids who are counting on those drugs in our community. And I just broke somebody's microphone. So we're here today to work on legislation that will outlaw predatory pricing practices that will stop insurers and PBMs from uh, disadvantaging local pharmacies and local pharmacists and to make drugs more uh, affordable to uh, families and uh, consumers across the state of Illinois. We are And I see my co-sponsor just coming down from a meeting from the governor. Ladies and gentlemen, Senator Andy Menard, co-sponsor. So working together from both the perspective of Chicago and downstate, we're talking about this being a bill of statewide importance. It's important to every family. It's important to our business communities. It keeps income in our communities, keeps better health for our families. We're so glad you're here today as pharmacists who understand the harms and the detriments that these practices have had on folks who are suffering and folks who are just trying to get their families uh, well and better. Thank you for being here, and now it's my honor to announce my my uh, Senate co-sponsor, Senator Senator Andy Menard from Bunker Hill, Illinois. Thank
3: you, thank you all. Uh, thank you all for being here. Um, first of all, um, I want to thank Representative Harris for his work uh, that has spanned years on making healthcare more affordable, not just to his constituents but to everyone around the state. And in this case, this is a pretty simple question that we have to take to our colleagues, and we're going to rely on you all to help us do this. Is it right, is it right for PBMs to use business practices to put their competitors out of business? Is that right or wrong? We know it's wrong. We know it's wrong. I happen to like my pharmacist. And Michelle is right back there. I see her holding her hand up. And she invested in a rural community that didn't have a pharmacist. Where individuals, my neighbors had to drive miles to get a prescription filled. And she stepped forward and she invested in my small town. And I know that people in the Rotunda today have done that for years. Investing in your communities where you live. Delivering healthcare. All of that is threatened today in so many parts of the state. And the point of this bill with Leader Harris's leadership in the House is to say enough is enough. We are fed up with the business practices of PBMs and it's time to end it in Illinois once and for all. So, we're just asking for a level playing field, and with your help and your continued advocacy, I'm confident that we can get the job done. Today is day one, it's an important day, and we're gonna see this through this session, and we're gonna get co-sponsors, Democrats and Republicans working together to make sure this happens, because I want more people like Michelle investing in communities all around the state. And the only way that's gonna happen is if we get this bill passed. So thank you for your advocacy.
1: Thank you. Now I'd like to have um, Ben Calcaterra, who's past president of the Illinois Pharmacist Association, for a couple comments.
4: Thank you, Garth. Hello, my name is Ben Calcaterra. I am a pharmacist from the far rural southern Illinois. I'm a second generation pharmacist with three pharmacies dating back 40 years. When I graduated and started managing our stores, we were not financially hindered by adding pharmacists, technicians, support staff, or even new technology for the betterment of our business and the safety of our patients. We were not guessing at how much reimbursement would be clawed back months later without warning. We were not having our own patients stolen from us by the very plans we were billing for their prescription services. We were not worried about being audited for minuscule clerical errors devoid of any fraud, waste, or abuse. But we do not live in the past. We are healthcare professionals first, but we also must run a sustainable business to keep our doors open and accessible to our patients. Today, we have to fight for every single dollar of profit. We have to fight to find funds to hire staff just to wait on our customers and to purchase technology to keep up with a growing list of best practices and regulations. Today, we could make a $20 profit on a claim and have $30 reclaimed months later, making it impossible to reconcile our books. Today, our patients could be charged that same $20 by PBMs when we would have charged only 10 And who would have thought, as healthcare professionals, we could be muzzled from explaining those payment options to our own patients? Today, I have received 20 audits since the beginning of this year, for no other reason than retaliation for speaking out against these very tactics. Every script we fill, we worry more about PBM auditing that claim than from our own Board of Pharmacy inspecting our practices. Today, the PBMs have too much power. Today, the PBMs are profiteering off the backs of our patients in our state. Today, the PBMs are in business of wealth instead of health. Today, the new fight begins. Today, we fight not for our bottom line and livelihood, but rather for the common good, for our profession, and most importantly, for our patients. Today, we have the opportunity to enter this fight by passing House Bill 465 and Senate Bill 652 to begin the process to reform PBMs. We must end their unethical business practices as 29 states already have and 13 additional states, including Illinois, have joined in the fight. We already have federal legislation passed last year and we must continue that fight at our state level. Let it be known, on this date, we enter a new era of pharmacy in this great state of Illinois. One that is not shadowed by the scrutiny of pharmacy benefit managers suppressing our true abilities, but rather one that is free to grow and thrive in the best ways our profession can. House Bill 465 and Senate Bill 652 lays the long-awaited groundwork to regulate and add transparency to the BPM industry. It provides real oversight of a business practice that has operated in the shadows for far too long. It per- House Bill 465 and Senate Bill 652 is the first step of many more to come. To usher in an era of increased pharmacy services, lowering cost of prescriptions, and rightful accessibility to our patients. We cannot allow PBMs to continue to hold our patients patients hostage from receiving the best care available from our very own pharmacists. House Bill 465 and Senate Bill 652 starts that journey today. However, be assured this is not a sprint, this is a marathon. This will be a journey not accomplished with one bill, but many. This effort will not be easy. We must not enter this fight alone, but rather as one single voice of the entire community of pharmacists standing together, working together to cross the finish line. If the conclusion of this fight yields prosperity and wealth but leaves our citizens and patients without affordable access to prescription medications, then we will have failed as a state and a profession to care for our communities. So let us not fail now, let us succeed. Let us provide the care that we are capable of. We ask for reform for the health of this great state. We can do better, we will do better. The future is before us and we ask it starts now. Please pass House Bill 465 and Senate Bill 652. Thank you.
1: We've also been joined by uh, Rep. Dan Calkins and Thad Jones, Jones. thank you very much for being here and helping support our cause. Now I'd like to ask uh, Lauren Young to please come forward representing the Pharmacists United for Truth and Transparency.
0: Hi everyone, my name is Lauren Young and I'm a second generation multi-store pharmacy owner right here in Illinois. My father, Dale Coley, started his pharmacy career over 50 years ago right here in Springfield at Everly's Drugstore. And he continues to practice in our stores located in Decatur and Forsyth, Illinois. We're here today to ask the Illinois State Legislature to please do, as Representative Harris and Senator Minar have stated, to regulate PBMs. Today, more than 400 current and future pharmacists from across the state have taken time away to make a single statement to the state of Illinois. Pharmacy benefit managers, or PBM fraud, waste and abuse can no longer be tolerated by Illinois taxpayers. to take grotesque profits over and above prescription drug costs in our state. We have pharmacies located in Senator Menard's district and Representative Dan Calkins, and we're so thankful for their support today. The PBM opposition is alleging transparency will cost patients and taxpayers more and trying to represent the true state of affairs here in prescription drug pricing. Neighborhood pharmacies are not the greedy bad guys. We want everyone to know a few things about what's going on in our state. Current state law does not require PBM middlemen to be licensed. They are not regulated or held to an account by any government entity. We're calling on the state to license and regulate these PBM middlemen. Otherwise, Illinois' patients, taxpayers, and pharmacists will continue to pay high drug prices and fraud, waste, and abuse will run rampant. PBM claims that they are Regulated by the Illinois Department of Insurance, but they're not required to submit any filings with the Network Adequacy or Transparency Act They also couldn't tell the house prescription drug and insurance committees uh, When they were last audited by the state as recently as March 1st of this year Everyone in this room knows the last time they were audited though if you're an independent pharmacy owner PBMs design and price prescription drug benefit plans, collecting and keeping manufacturer rebates instead of passing them on to patients. They calculate and control pharmacy reimbursement policies. PBMs want you to believe that a state law requiring them to operate more transparently will drive up prices. Think about that for a minute. The more transparency involved in drug pricing will raise prices? Not true. That is just not true. Possible. Taxpayers and lawmakers should be suspicious of these claims. We, pharmacists of Central Illinois and across the state, have long been suspicious of PBM claims of price savings, so we commissioned a report. We compared our real time prescription claims to publicly reported data and discovered the following facts Illinois pharmacies are paid $1.39 per prescription dispensed under the state's Medicaid program but the PBM middlemen pay themselves $2.43 per prescription, or almost twice as much as your average independent pharmacy. Keep in mind the $1.39 is meant to cover the cost of the prescription bottle, the bag, the label, and all the other costs, including a professional pharmacy dispensing fee. I know my time's worth a lot more than $1.39. How about yours? The PBM only processes the claim and then arbitrarily imposes an alphabet soup full of DIR fees, including GER, which is generic effective rate, or brand effective rate, including a multitude of others that they just tack on whenever they want to. And it can be months after the prescription was covered at the pharmacy. With the assistance of this independent review, Illinois pharmacists determined the state can save at least $108 million annually by moving its employee health, workers' compensation, and I know this is something near and dear to Senator Menard's Heart, teachers' retirement programs, away from the current opaque PBM model to a transparent, pass-through pharmacy benefit model. We're releasing our spread pricing report today and invite you to talk to our report spokesperson, Monique Whitney, she'll raise her hand, or you can find pharmacist Owen Sullivan, and they can give you a copy of the report and ask for any questions about the information contained. Now, the PBM opposition says that The practice of exorbitant spread pricing is misguided. It is not just unique to PBM contracts, but it's the exorbitant nature of spread pricing involved with prescription drugs that is the issue at hand here. The problem with spread pricing is it misrepresents the true cost of medications. If a drug costs $10 to acquire, but the payer believes it's $300, it's so inflated there's no relationship to that true price. Each provider in the chain of drug distribution deserves to be compensated. How much is too much is the question that we need to focus on today. Lastly, the most disturbing claim is that independent pharmacies are greedy and lying about how much were reimbursed by PBMs. In Illinois, 15 pharmacies have closed in the last 12 months. Many more have been pushed to the brink of closure by forces beyond our control directly related to PBMs, including below-cost reimbursement, excessive fees, restricted networks, and steering patients to specialty or mail-order pharmacies. Neighborhood pharmacies can compete in a fair market, but our market is broken. Pharmacies are forced to accept payments that are below their cost, and we're subsidizing this healthcare system. When 70% of our prescriptions we dispense are paid below cost, the business model is unsustainable. This is the case for a lot of local pharmacies, especially in small town neighborhood operations, grocery store pharmacies, and regional chains. And it just so happens the largest retail pharmacy in the country, CVS, owns one of the largest PBMs in the country. This is the mother of all conflict of interest, and CVS is not the only PBM to own pharmacies and have restricted networks and force people to mail order or special order pharmacies. It is for all these reasons we're here today. We support legislation that will protect and not overcharge Illinois consumers and taxpayers. Pharmacists have a professional responsibility to a provide care for their patients. We are the frontline patient advocates for many people in our communities and state. PBMs are for-profit business. Licensing and regulating PBMs is an urgently needed message that will ensure Illinois patients and taxpayers have access to the true cost of their medications. Pharmacists will not rest until PBM regulation is a reality and we're so thankful to our legislators in their support today. Thank you.
1: so we thank you very much for being here today thank you
4: so before we begin speaking about the rally itself monique could you tell us what is or who is put
6: sure ben thank you so so put is pharmacist united for truth and transparency and we are a, a not for profit advocacy organization we were founded about 8 or 9 years ago by independent pharmacy owners we're entirely comprised of independent pharmacy owners and we're funded by independent pharmacy owners. So we're a nationwide organization. Uh, we, we came to be here today and part of this rally, and uh, the reason for that is because we have a number of members that are here in the state of Illinois, but also we work in partnership with the Illinois Pharmacists Association. Uh, we're very happy to have that kind of partnership. And so uh, when, the, when we knew that the rally uh, was an opportunity, we thought we would jump on it, we all got together, we worked on it, we put it together pretty fast, right, yes. Garth? Very
1: very in a, <laughs> yeah. less than a week.
6: So. Less than a week. <laughs> yeah. The idea was actually inspired by the pharmacists in New York with the Fix RX campaign. Uh, seeing the work that they did and how effective that was, and knowing we had this opportunity, we thought, you know what, we're gonna go for it. Exactly. Yes, and we were fortunate to have Lauren uh, come down and, and be part of it and speak at our, at our rally today as well.
4: Yeah, and Lauren, you gave a rousing speech. Uh, what was your takeaway from, from the rally itself?
6: Really
0: inspiring to see all of the students come together with pharmacists, pharmacy owners, and get a reignited passion for this project.
4: Absolutely. I, I can't agree more. Uh, the, the chanting that we had going on at the end spoke volumes, and I think we really caught the attention of everybody there. Um, the news has already put out some some very excellent coverage. What do you think, Monique, about the, the national perspective of how this went down compared to what we're seeing on a broader scope?
6: Sure. Well, I think today... Today was definitely the largest rally so far in the country. So, and, and that's that's a high bar, because in New York, they had over 250 pharmacists gather at their state capital. We had over 450 right. people at our rally here. Yes, that was awesome. It was, and it was. I think it really says something about the energy, and I think you're mm-hmm. right about the passion, reigniting the passion. Um, I don't think a lot of people know this. There was a rally in Florida yesterday that uh, also took off, and it was a little bit smaller, but same kind of a thing a lot of passion, a lot of intensity there. Uh, we're looking to rallies in other parts of the country, uh, Massachusetts, maybe next. We were talking with them, so we think we're going to start to see a wave of this. I think, and, 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 and what I think is, is so important about this is that it really does represent a time for all of us in this profession to be taking it back. You know, I, th- I think for the longest time, you know, pharmacy. Has uh, I think we've always been that provider that is there. You know, uh, pharmacy is the most accessible I think of all the healthcare providers. But I think as such, what's been happening is that you know the profession's been taken advantage of for a long time. And certainly, we've seen these laws that have worked against us. Uh, I, what's exciting now is that we see ourselves stepping into this opportunity and and letting our voices be heard. And we're taking this back. You know, today was a good day because. Pharmacists stepped in and they participated in the democratic process. I mean it is it's our country. It's our laws and, and this is how we get those laws changed back in favor of uh, our profession.
4: And, and it spoke volumes that everyone came together as one solid voice. We preached the same message. Everyone spoke on the same speaking points throughout the day and it's important to know that the only way we move the needle is to move it together Um, and I think today really spoke volumes with everyone coming together, everyone doing the same thing at the same time uh, shows that we are moving as one body. From that national perspective, is is that how you're seeing other states portraying? Are we on the same
6: path as as other states that, that you've seen? We've taken a big step forward in this state. I think that Illinois is stepping into a leadership role the, certainly the bills that uh, came out today that we talked about in the news conference are are important. I think they're going to be good for the state. You know, obviously, you know, there's no perfect bill right now, and, and we're, we're happy to see what we have. It's the first step in the process as far as, you know, what needs to happen for all of us across the country. I do think one thing that, you know, bears some... Uh, deeper look at is the one about the drug importation. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Because that is popping up all over the country. And it is a very concerning trend for a few different reasons. So, you know, there is this idea. It's, this, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wonderful, luxurious idea, right? We can't get our drug pricing crisis solved in this country, so we'll just go to Canada. They've got cheaper drugs. But that is wrong on a number of levels. Health Canada, which is the equivalent of the FDA in Canada, has already said that they cannot be responsible for the US's uh, drug supply. So they're not gonna be able to accommodate us. So that's the first thing. This idea that somehow Canada, a country with fewer people in it than the state of Florida has, or somewhere around the same population as the state of Florida, that they would be able to accommodate our our, our system is really not realistic thinking. But also The idea that the drugs will drop 50% in price, right now our drugs are just not affordable. And so dropping a $300 drug to say $150 when someone is struggling with a $50 copay, that's not gonna be the answer either. And I think it's just one of those things that the more we look into it, the more we start to see how incredibly problematic it is. And top of all of that is the concern for patient safety because as Garth mentioned earlier, Uh, Studies have shown over and over that a good 10% or more of these drugs are counterfeit. They're not even medications.
4: Yes, and that's very important to note that it all boils down to patient safety, and and that's what all of these bills are really looking at. Every bill that we are looking at from a pharmacy perspective has to take into account how the patient is going to be affected. That's what the legislators are concerned with. That's what we're concerned with as healthcare professionals. And it boils down to their safety. And and you're absolutely right. This drug importation bill, it does not have the patient's safety at its primary concern. So I hope they really take a hard look at that and, and we get a no vote on the importation bill. Moving back to the PBM bill, Lauren, in your talk today, your speech, you brought up some interesting numbers um, about the PBMs' pricing modalities. Can you kind of tell the listeners kind of where all that comes from and and what the main takeaway there is?
0: There was some research that we did. We compared the teachers' retirement fund, the workers' compensation fund, and the state employee fund benefit fund, and we were able to see that we are paid, as independent pharmacies, $1.39 as a dispensing fee, and that's to cover everything. That's to cover the actual prescription bottle, the pills in that bottle, the bag, label, our professional pharmacy consultation, and then the PBMs are able to pay their own pharmacies $2.42 per prescription. And so, almost twice as much as we're getting paid, and they're not doing twice as much work.
4: Yeah, so that leaves a huge gap in you know where this money is going, and that's why we need this bill as lo- as well as others to increase the transparency to mm-hmm. know what the PBMs are truly doing with that money. And you know the spread pricing report that was released. Mm-hmm. Um, Monique, can you speak to to that because that kind of goes hand in hand here about just how detrimental the PBM practices are about withholding that money, charging extra, putting a, a dampening effect on the profession as a whole to provide care to our, our pharmacy customers.
6: Yeah, absolutely. In fact, Illinois Pharmacists mm-hmm. Association commissioned that report. It was done by Three Axis Advisors and they are the people whose methodology was used in Ohio and New York to determine the level of spread pricing that's been taking place. Spread pricing is just insidious. It is Uh, it misrepresents the value of the drug. And so what ends up happening is the true relationship to what the drug costs ends up getting lost. We released the report today. Uh, during the the rally mm-hmm. and we informed the news media about it. What's gonna be happening from here moving forward is we're gonna be doing everything in our power to get this information in the hands of lawmakers. Ultimately what we're looking for here is for the state to do a full investigation. Is that what you would say, Gareth?
1: I would say so because we definitely need to have a, a, a complete examination of the books of not only the PBMs from the from the managed Medicaid point of view, but also what's going on with the teachers program and with the state employee program as well. I think there's a lot of information here, a lot of covered lives that we need to take a look at how every tax dollar is being truly spent.
6: You know, from here, I think what's important is that uh, everyone who is listening to this podcast, everyone who's in this profession, you know, really continue to 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 participate, take heart. Just keep going, I think is the thing. So for Putt, you know, our, our job is to, is to keep everyone as aware as possible about what is happening here in other parts of the country. What is happening right now is there's a lot of movement, there's a lot of activity, and it's good. We see good movement in the right direction. Uh, but what we are saying is that everybody's to keep participating. We have to keep working together. We have to maintain that united front. And so we say, you know, just just keep going, keep your head up, it's, it's going to happen. We're going to start seeing the reform. We started seeing it today. Mm-hmm. I think today was a really good example of that with the rally, and it will continue.
4: Yes, today starts the new fight. Uh, as, as we said in the rally, today begins the new era of pharmacy in the state of Illinois. And I think it's very important to note that we have a long journey ahead of us, and we need a unified voice across the state to continue that journey, so that we can cross that finish line together. Final takeaways, Garth, what do do you think?
1: We definitely had a a great impact today and a lasting impact on what's going to be happening with the future of the two bills. Um, Our pharmacists and student pharmacists working together, going out and lobbying this bill and advocating for these two bills. We added additional co-sponsors to both pieces of legislation today. So we started with introduced legislation and we've walked away with additional co-sponsors that will help guide both bills through their respective chambers. Lauren, do you have a major takeaway that you'd like to, to finish up with?
0: I was not only excited and energized about coming to the rally and getting to work with legislators today, but also getting to be a patient advocate for our patients, our taxpayers, other people in our communities on a more state level and more democratic level. And then when I saw West Virginia put out their own report that really solidified exactly what we were saying, that was just another piece to the puzzle that I thought, finally, this is awesome. It's all lining up and legislators heard us loud and clear today and I know that was one thing we really tried to do over the past, especially, 90 days was make sure the legislators hear that one voice, that one statement, and understand that pharmacists are not going away, and we
6: are united in transparency for our consumers.
4: That's right. We've got to do it together. Monique, your final takeaway?
6: I'm right there with Garth and Lauren. I think this was an exciting day. I think that we are, you know, kicking off a whole new leg of this campaign. I think transparency is imminent. It's the answer, and we just need to keep marching in that direction and keep focusing on that goal
4: absolutely you know transparency that that's a a a big word that our listeners need to commit to their memory and use it a lot because not only are we fighting for patient accessibility and affordability we are not only fighting for PBM reform we are also fighting for PBM transparency because that is the answer to all the shadiness that goes on around this industry that Until recently, until we've, as a pharmacy profession, have really pushed legislators, not only on the state level, but on a federal level, we've pushed them to understand what these PBMs are, they haven't even known what has has been going on. And, And it's all due to this one unified voice we keep talking about, that the legislators are finally getting the picture. And that has led us to this point, that has led us to the traction that we are getting and the movement on these bills. And I am really excited about the future of pharmacy in Illinois because we are headed in the right direction, finally, as one pharmacy profession. Well, if there's one thing that we've learned today, there's gonna be a lot of digesting of the two bills that were introduced today, the Senate Bill 652 and House Bill 465. Um, there's a lot of information that we're going to have to process out Um, and you know there is a lot of information with both the spread pricing report that was just released publicly uh, for everybody to digest that as well as a brand new piece of information that we're going to cover all of this in a later episode in much more detail but Lauren can you give me a a few details about this new West Virginia information that we just found out about
0: so we've been following West Virginia Medicaid system for the past year because they were one of the first in the country to actually carve pharmacy benefit managers out of their Medicaid system. And they actually utilize a state pharmacy school and they have them create the formulary. They actually do a much more transparent model. And so today they came out with a report from the West Virginia Bureau of Medical Services stating that their Medicaid programs saved $54.4 million in the first year with this carve out model. And that is $24.5 million more than the forecasted amount. And they're able to actually pass on the savings directly to their taxpayers and residents. And as an Illinois resident, I wish our legislature could do that. That sounds amazing. And I really hope that we are able to create a bridge so our legislators are able to learn from that model and take bits and pieces as to what worked for West Virginia and hopefully use that in Illinois because we have some great students that we saw today that could possibly be leaders for a model like this.
4: Yes, and that information is directly in opposition to what our opposition is putting out there as far as what pharmacists, community pharmacists, community pharmacies are doing for drug prices. So I'm glad that information is out there. And like I said, in a future episode, keep you on your toes, we will go much more in detail uh, with, with both the West Virginia information, our spread pricing report, uh, anything else that's coming out because you know, we are right in the middle of our legislative season and things change on a daily basis. So we'll be right back with a new episode with all of that detail coming soon. Uh, For now, Garth, let's get into some IPHA happenings. Uh, What's on the docket for the the next uh, several days, months, weeks uh, to come?
1: Well, as a reminder for those of our members and listeners that are going to be attending the APHA annual meeting in Seattle, we will be having our um, Illinois caucus on Saturday morning at 11 a.m. And we would be glad to, to see everyone there as we talk about the issues happening on a policy level through the APHA House of Delegates, in addition to celebrating our colleges through their various receptions throughout the weekend. In addition, in April, the Illinois Pharmacist Association has continued our work with the Illinois Department of Public Health with their CDC grant specifically in the expansion of pharmacist services in helping with diabetes education and, and in cardiovascular education as well. And we are very fortunate to be able to announce that on April 13th and 14th, and these events, um, certificate training programs will be held at SIUE. And these will be the APHA certificate training programs for diabetes care and cardiovascular disease risk management. And what's special about this grant program is that we're able to offer for pharmacists in the counties below I-70 that you, you will be able to take both of these programs completely for free. And this is a huge initiative that we're able to offer. So if you've not taken this program before, this is the time to jump onto this. If you've taken the programs and it's been more than three years, it's recommended for you to take them again. To keep your information up to date. As we know, as we've had new diabetes medications and new medications for cardiovascular risk management, it has severely changed over the last couple of years and you need to make sure that what you're keeping up to date to be able to best assist your patients. For pharmacists throughout the rest of the state, we're able to offer a discounted program and depending on the number of attendees, we may be able to help share with um, additional um, discounts for those pharmacists. But we want to make sure that we are filling as many seats as possible for these two opportunities. And again, that's April 13th and 14th. And I know a lot of times people wait to see when the programs best fit their schedules. I can't guarantee that we will have a grant opportunity for these two type of programs again. So please do take advantage of this, this great opportunity to be able to advance your skills to help your patients.
4: And being from Southern Illinois, I want to reach out to our Southern Illinois listeners and make sure that they are very much aware of that grant opportunity. They need to show up in droves for that. Uh, We don't get very many opportunities in the southern third of the state, and we need to take advantage of that opportunity because they don't come around very often. If we want more opportunities locally, we need to show support. So uh, please, if you're in the southern part of the state, down by my neck of the woods, come out. Please, help us uh, support the IPHA grant programs. Uh, they're, they're second to none. Uh, so if there's anything else, Garth?
1: No, I, I just want to say again, this is a great opportunity for the, these two grant programs for both our Metro East Pharmacists Association and Far South Association members to be able to take advantage of this great opportunity. Well, with that, that will do it for this episode. Huge thank
4: you to our special guests, Monique Whitney and Lauren Young, for the insight on today's activities. And thank you, Garth. Thank you, Ben. And thank you to our listeners and sponsors for supporting this show. Check back regularly to hear new episodes as we will keep you updated on legislative matters happening around the state. You can find us on the Internet at IPHA.org, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as IL Pharmacist. That's plural with the S, IL Pharmacist. Follow us today to stay in the know. That will do it for this episode of Illinois Farm Talk. Stay tuned for our next episode as the Voice of Pharmacy in Illinois brings you another edition of Illinois
0: Farm Talk. Thank you for listening to the Illinois Farm Talk podcast.